I'm Eli Smith, and I don't cry at movies, but I want to. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I cry at movies all the time. It is now my job to make Eli cry at movies. From best pictures... And purely nostalgia. This is... Live and let cry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live and Let Cry, a monthly podcast maxi-series to find a movie to make Eli Smith cry. I'm Cody Lunsford. Today on the show, we'll be discovering our final movie, A Slow Motion Descent into Pure Misery. But before that, let's say hello to Mr. Dry Eyes, Eli Smith. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was a movie, huh? <laughs> it was a motion picture. Not, uh-huh. the, not to jump into it right now, but like I still <laughs> just feel... I, I feel heavy. Yeah. I finished watching it, and I walked out. And oh, my I, wife was, I thought you meant like I walked out of the theater and like you saw it in a theater and was like, ah, right, I'm out. Right, right. I'm out. No, I watched it and then it, like I had to go make like dinner or whatever. And I was just like being quiet. And my wife was like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, well, it's hard to explain, but I just yeah. watched the movie that made me feel <laughs> sad for an hour and a half. I just am kind of in a weird mood now. <laughs> She's like, why do you look like a dementor? Just sucked <laughs> your soul out. Um, Everyone can like, stand to eat a piece of chocolate after this movie, I would say. Honestly. I love how... Uh, <laughs> let's talk about dementors. Yeah. D- chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've, I want to theorize <laughs> something. What if the Harry Potter books are bad? <laughs> These things are not evil, but the evil guy is definitely going to use them, and they look like the ghost of the future from Christmas Carol. But their weaknesses are chocolate and light shows of animals. Uh, You know, it's a real bummer that we never went to Azkaban in those books. Like, that was like, Azkaban was the coolest thing ever, and then you just never like see it you basically get like one chapter you get like two paragraphs in prisoner of azkaban where it's like yeah i mean they broke out and then i think like in one of the later books you get like again another reference of like yeah the dementors broke them out i don't remember don't add us (laughs) we a we don't read books this is a movie podcast right b i haven't Watched the Harry Potter movie since Fantastic Beast and the oh. Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, and so, therefore, I had my entire memory <laughs> erased and don't remember a single Harry Potter fact anymore. Yeah. Um, so, this is Living Like Cry. We're, we're <laughs> supposed to f- figure out if uh, Eli has cried. Um, is but, that but what it is? It's like a mystery. It's a mystery show trying to figure out if I have ever cried. Today on <laughs> Live and Let Cry, a 10-part series that examines whether or not Eli Smith cried. I'm Sarah Koenig. Um, do you remember Serial? Blink, 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 blink. Uh, w- I, I wish they would solve some more crimes. Yeah. I, I, I love, too, that it spawned a million podcasts where it's like, okay, we're going to solve some crimes. And every yeah. single one of them ends with, 
but we didn't solve the crime, and maybe that's the point. <laughs> and I think it's like, that's okay, why I get... kind of have given up on the true crime genre because I'm just like, that's I I just am gonna assume that there's not an answer to this. So what's right. the point? I I am now only go- interested in true crime where we know what happened right. at the end. Um, h- how are you, Eli? I'm pretty Generally. good. Yeah, I was pretty great until I watched this movie. No, I mm-hmm. was. I mean, I'm even. I'm good now. I mean, I just feel, you know, I, I actually do feel a sense of hope just for the state of humanity right now. Like, okay. Just, ju- just like I am in a better mood than I was for the majority of 2020. feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's vaccines that are rolling out. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel hopeful. I mean, it's better to feel hopeful than no hope at all. Yeah. So that's good. The night is darkest just before the dawn. That's what they say. Um, yeah, I don't know. Twenty. I'm not gonna say 2021 is gonna be good because you know I don't no, it jinx won't it. Be, but but like maybe some of the things will get more good. You know, like maybe yeah, maybe we can do things at some point that feel a little bit normal. Right. Like the like two days after this comes out, the Golden Globes happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're fun. Maybe they are. Maybe they're fun. Maybe they're a bright spot, and maybe. They go so well and vaccines roll out. We get an announcement that the Oscars, the people will be there in person and then I'll celebrate. Maybe. But if they're not, that's fine too. Like, it's okay. We figured uh, distance things out. Um, You know, we've got a Tom and Jerry movie on the way. Godzilla's going to fight Kong. There's just so many bright things. The Tom and Jerry movie is probably the biggest source of hope in my life right now. Right. When I said I felt hopeful, I was hoping that you would pick up on the fact that I was referring to the Tom and Jerry movie, and I'm glad that you picked right. that up. Well, I, I now have to bring up Tom and Jerry on every podcast I do, because it is on an episode of Best Pictures that I just recorded, where they again accuse me of being an idiot for saying that sometimes Tom gets... Uh, you guys got into this again on your newest episode? <laughs> well, they just kind of... like referenced it offhand to dunk on me again and i said i stand by it wait you you're Uh, of the opinion that tom is a victim right not always but i think they dole out punishment to each other all the time we agree on this it's yeah it's very much uh both there's good people on both sides (laughs) right uh see but the thing Eli is putting all your hope in Tom and Jerry. That movie comes out so soon. That's why I'm putting my hope <laughs> in Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. No, I can't put my hope in that. I've seen that dang dog. <laughs> I have no hope in him. Um, I don't know. Avatar 2, that's what I'm looking forward to, and that's uh, a year away. It's such a disgusting shade of red. It's the most inexplicable worst choice on every level. It's like Okay, he is bright red. Let's make him the dullest red possible. Let's not like make him look like a cartoon that has yes. like started to dry up. That's what he looks like. He looks like a dog who caught a rabbit and rolled around in its blood. Yes, like, like unfortunately, like six hours ago, and it's started yeah. to dry. Have we talked about? See, listeners, peek behind the curtain. Me and Eli text each other sometimes 
So I can't remember uh, if this was a group chat discussion or not, but did we talk about Clifford's puppy days before? Uh, I don't know, but I definitely... Um, no, yeah, we did, because that's okay. the show that, that they made um, because that guy died. What's his name? I, oh, I don't know about this. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember that I mistakenly said John Hurt, and then I looked up his real name. John Hurt's a different guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the guy who voiced Clifford, who was on Eight Simple Rules, that guy, he died. And so they made Clifford's oh, Puppy right. Days, which is where Clifford is a puppy and now he has a high voice. Right. The premise of Clifford is he is a dog <laughs> that is big right. and red. He's far too large. And, and the premise of Clifford's Puppy Days is red dog. <laughs> That's all they got. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's funny so because stupid. the premise is actually that he is small <laughs> because he right. is the runt of the litter, which like that was always his uh, origin story is that he's the runt. And then he re- received so much love from Emily Elizabeth that he became right. huge. But this is pre love. She doesn't love him enough yet. <laughs> she and he's does still not just a love runt. this. Uh, it's dumb. Um, so you're feeling hopeful overall. You You, you think there's some some lights in some tunnels john ritter um, <laughs> sorry john ritter yes <laughs> not that john is the rules guy. no john hurt is from alien right? yes and he's olivander speaking yes. of harry potter G- great terrible but great yes <laughs> oh man sorry, i wish that yes. wasn't like real life political discussion <laughs> um yeah. but yes i am feeling hopeful because okay. of Clifford and um, 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 Tom and Jerry. Clifford and Tom and Jerry. Um, I wish I had like one more for Rule of Threes to reference something else Sonic happening two. this year. No, it's not this year, but you know, that's like our yeah. far off hope. We do have Adam's family too this year. Uh, so <sighs> there's that, I guess. Neither one of us like that movie that, that much. That movie's bad. But it does have one funny joke. They put a lime and a coconut <laughs> at a wedding, and they shake it all up, and everyone shakes it. That was funny. But other than that, that movie's bad. Uh, at least we're going to have Wednesday, right? Right? The kids love Wednesday. Yeah. Kids they love, love when she solves crimes with her psychic abilities, which we know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's fine. Ask me how I'm doing. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. <laughs> cool. No, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a little scared um, because uh, to date the podcast, I, I I saw a trailer about a mean lady who hunts dogs, um, and they make her seem good, maybe, and that's yeah. really scary. I've heard about um, this, and then. Also, there was a trailer where a man made a knife out of blood, <laughs> and so I just really don't know what to make out of the world anymore. And it's just really scary. Yeah, and didn't somebody also get his arms torn off and they shatter in a uh, an explosion of frozen blood? Yes, correct. That would be Jax, the character Jax, mm. in the Portal Combat trailer. Yeah. Um, God, I'm so excited to watch that movie. It like it doesn't look good. I I think it looks bad, but it's gonna be great. Uh, it's going to be great. So we're hopeful, but we have to deal with some pain first. <sighs> and we have to talk about Grave of the Fireflies. 
a Studio Ghibli movie that... Eli, why don't you kind of tell us, like, what what is it about? So, I feel like... um, you, someone could have heard the way I was talking about this movie at the beginning of the episode and say, oh, he didn't like this movie. Um, I'm just going right. to go ahead and say right now, this was, I think, the best movie we've watched on this show other than maybe Ratatouille, which is wonderful. I love. I would put both of those movies together in my personal ranking. But like, yeah. uh, we, we've watched a lot of movies on this podcast that I haven't loved. And so like, yes. it was kind of refreshing to watch a really good movie. I think I mentioned this before. I have been putting off watching this movie for a long time because right. um, I knew that it would be a good uh, kind of secret weapon to use on this show because I was right. watching all the Ghibli movies and um, I hadn't gotten to this one. And I have wanted to watch it for months and I finally watched it for the first time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good movie and it is also depressing and will suck your soul right out of your eyeballs and uh i felt exhausted after watching it and i don't know that i ever want to watch it again as much as i loved it i probably will but not soon i don't know that i ever will Mm. it is like that kind of oppressively sad i mean it's like in the lame is vein of just like Sad, 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 sad. But you don't have Sasha Baron Cohen come and sing a song about right. a hotel in the middle of it. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I thought the movie was really good too. I, I don't think it's one of my personal favorite Ghibli movies, um, but I do like it a lot. Um, have you seen any of the other Takahata Ghibli movies? Not yet. I will hopefully soon because I'm pl- trying to watch through all of them. Which which are the other ones right. that he did? So he did only yesterday. Um, only yesterday, Pompoko. My neighbors, the Yamadas. Um, I've seen the first twenty minutes of Pompoko. I did not okay. know that was him. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, that's the one where the they have like big balls, right? Yeah, <laughs> the, the very different movies. And I right. I, I, wa- I watched the first twenty minutes and then got sidetracked and haven't gone back. But like I was enjoying it. But like right, <laughs> wildly different energy than this movie. Wildly. Um, and then he also directed the tale of the Princess Kaguya. Um, so that's kind of his his okay. four. Only yesterday I did not love. Um, only yesterday is very much just a realist movie fully. It is just about a girl growing up, and I found it a little boring, which might be sacrilegious. A lot of people really like that movie, but hey, at least it, the little girl grows up in that movie. That is true. It, it reminds me of Whisper of the Heart, which is another Ghibli movie, but that is directed by somebody else. But um, that's one that I didn't love as much as a lot of people. See, do. I love that one, yeah. and I love it because it like will cut to the story that she's writing and stuff. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, but Grave of the Fireflies, it is very good. Um, it was released in 1988. It is Takahata's first movie. It was released um, on my birthday in 1988, so this was meant to be. It was meant to be, I as was Florida Georgia Lion said. Six years from being born, but I feel right. like that's important to note. Yeah, it does feel important. Um, so basically, it's about a a a boy who um, is living through World War II. 
um, his parents die and he has to take care of his little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's bad at it. <laughs> I guess uh, that's, I know, I know. That's that, not that, that, nice. That, that's the reductive read on it. No, I mean, I would argue he's very good at it, but he does not have the world in his favor. Yeah. Um, yes. He, he's living in very tough circumstances. Um, but, um, yeah, and then it ends, and it's sad. It also starts sad. Um, right. <laughs> because it does start with him dying. I think the first sentence the is, I died on whatever date or something like that. Right, yeah. And he is, like, you know, homeless and living on... I mean, they're homeless for the majority of this movie, but he is, like, yeah. Yeah. Dies miserably. Um uh, so do you know that when they first released this movie, Eli, that they paired it as a double feature with My Neighbor Totoro? Oh wow. That that's insane. But also I actually could genuinely see that being a really good double feature as long as Totoro is second. I could as well, but imagine if you're watching a trailer on 80s YouTube, whatever that is, and um, you're like, oh, look at these like cute little Totoro monsters. My kid will love this. And then they sit through this movie first. Yeah. Like, I don't th- I don't know. Totoro, I feel like you can show to a kid at age three. I think a this is like a maybe age 13 and up. Yeah. Well, I'm 26 and I don't think I was fully ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think so. I would say 28 would be a good, good age to start. Probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah. I mean, I, so I noted in my letterbox review, because this is a podcast where we talk about our letterbox reviews and people love this, um, but that there, it actually feels weirdly similar to Totoro in a lot of ways. Um, very different in other ways but like i do think that um the younger sister character is has a similar kid energy to the younger sister character in totoro um Mm -hmm. and it's and totoro is also kind of like kids dealing with scary real world events um but it has a happy ending and literally everything turns out okay in totoro and it's much milder but like right they do sort of have a similar energy at time and the way the the older sister um interacts with the younger sister i would actually say that the way um the older brother interacts with the younger sister in grave of the fireflies is more similar to maybe the dad in totoro but like there were a lot of parallels Mm -hmm. that i was noticing yeah that's interesting i i like totoro a lot it's it's not my favorite but i do like it a lot and I don't know. There's cute creatures and a cat bus in that one. You know, like they're, they're, I mean, also it's just a different tone. There's a lot more levity, but this one, like, I mean, you are feeling that kind of sadness from the first second and it kind of never lets up. Yeah. Um, I I think which makes it a tough watch. Yeah. Um, I think that I, one thing I love about Totoro is the relationship between the sisters is very realistically portrayed to me. And if I, if I could pick one um, criticism of Grave of the Fireflies, which I don't really have many because I think it's mm-hmm. amazing, um, but the older brother is kind of a perfect brother. Like he never, yes, he never gets mad at his sister at all. Like which is, uh, it it's very it's it's kind of sweet to see because there you 
it like almost makes it more bearable because you get to at least take um some comfort in the fact that they have such a sweet relationship for the whole movie but like if there were just a couple of moments where he like has a human moment of being mad at his sister and getting annoyed with her like there's never really a moment like that yeah and he kind of should yeah you know like it's that's kind of a natural thing like he's kind of a perfect father (laughs) right and he's like what 13 12 13 14 i think maybe 12 yeah i don't know um yeah um fireflies die that's a part (laughs) of this movie they get thrown into a hole yeah um and fireflies don't live very long that's kind of the idea here is that these two die Mm -hmm. young and that this is a war movie where we don't actually really see any battles being fought but the war still kills these people which i think is kind of a interesting yeah you know angle for the movie to take is like hey just because they weren't killed on the battlefield don't doesn't mean that they weren't casualties of the war um right and to go back to the firefly thing like when there's a moment when uh the younger sister is trying to catch a firefly and she smacks her hands together and just like kills it immediately Mm -hmm. and they just like laugh it off and it was actually kind of a shocking moment for me i was like oh wow they just (laughs) showed me a dead smushed bug it was like kind of graphic but then they just like move right past it which i think is is what they're going there for there it's just like death is just a part of their culture that they're living in like there's just dead bodies everywhere yes everywhere um and you know they the the sister dies of just being entirely like malnourished and they like not eating what she should and not eating enough and then um all that stuff which is miserable to watch because it kind of keeps happening right Um, and it's even more kind of excruciating because he is trying to find food and he actually finds a bunch of food and he comes home with like a, this delicious melon he gives her a piece of melon and she's like, Oh, it's good. Thank you. And then he says, and she never woke up and it's like, right. Wow. Yep. He got there too late. Um, but then they are ghost and (laughs) look at a modern city is, is how it ends is they're overlooking the modern city, which is an interesting ending. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's bookended because, it starts with him i guess you can kind of pick up that his sister has died because uh he dies and then he gets he gets on the train at the beginning right and his sister's on the train yes and then it goes back in time well he sees her she's like on the you see her on the like in the field or something when the when the like cops or whatever uh-huh pull the thing out of his pockets you see her then and then yeah he gets on the train like so you know they're both dead at the beginning yeah which not uh we drop it early always which i will say is kind of why i didn't cry in this movie is i felt sad and miserable the whole time but you know they're dead from minute one and so it mm-hmm. kind of like there's no shock to it, and so by the time it happens, you've already like, or in my case, I've acclimated myself to it happening. Right. So it happens, and I'm sad and I'm miserable, but I don't cry. It it does shock me how fast it happens and how much of a yeah. not a big deal it is, and I think that's what the movie is going for, which is why the movie right. is Grave of the Firefly, or the title is Grave of the Fireflies. But like he. Uh, the way he just says, and she never woke up, and then, like, it doesn't really even, 
I thought that we were going to go back and like actually see him die again, like see what happens to him after the um, he buries or burns the casket and all that. Like we would get to see him go to where he ends up at the very beginning. Yeah, of the movie. His, his kind of breakdown where right. he's in the subway and all that stuff. But it just kind of cuts to him in the afterlife with the sister. And I also thought that they would meet up with their mom in the afterlife. They don't, or their it's dad, just them. or yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, which is interesting. It also like he seemingly lived a a bit longer. It wasn't like he died right away after her. Yeah. Um uh, I would assume it was at least the 60s. Mm, I don't know for sure, but that 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 would be my guess. Interesting. I did not see it that way. Um how how long do you think it was? I I didn't really even put any thought into how much longer he lived. I mean, it was that. a subway station he was in, right? Like, I don't think those really existed in World War II. So, mm. like, it would have had to be a bit later. I don't know exactly how much later, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just... I didn't notice him looking that much older when he dies, but... Does he not have a beard? Am I misremembering? Does he? Yeah, I think he may. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> This is me like misremembering things, or you. One, one <laughs> of us, is, one things. of us is wrong, <laughs> right? But but the train station thing I know is true. Okay, no, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess um, it was at least sometime later. Um, but it, it all happens very quickly, and the movie just ends very quickly. Right. I w- I was actually really surprised at how fast it ended. I thought there was gonna be they were gonna yeah. It, it just kind of is end. like well, it's done. Um. But we'll keep talking, and I'll work on finding it as we talk. Yeah. Yeah, so how did kind of knowing that they were going to die the whole time really affect you? Uh, I mean, like, I knew that going into the movie because I knew that this sure. was the movie about kids dying from starvation. Um, See, I didn't even have that much information. Really? I knew – I had a feeling that everybody said it was so sad. I had a feeling – that one kid would die. I didn't necessarily expect gotcha. both of them to die. And I didn't know that it was from starvation. One of the slowest and yeah. most miserable ways to die, it looks like. I think um, maybe now that I think about it, maybe I didn't know that they both died. I definitely knew the little girl died because I think I had just heard someone say like, oh, that's the movie where you watch a little girl die slowly of starvation. And so like I had that in my brain. Um, right. I, I don't know. I don't think it really affected my um, crying or not crying. And I'll just go ahead and say right now, I did not cry watching this movie. Yeah. Um, so we do have to do another episode. Sorry. We do. <laughs> <laughs> um, update. He does not have a beard, but it okay. is a train station. Gotcha. And he does look a bit older. Okay. But I couldn't really like place how old interesting but his ghost looks like the like him as a kid yeah. yes because his clothes are fully like rotted off and he looks and he's taller yeah i think it's i think he's his ghost is him but he dies yeah uh, slightly older um but yeah I, I don't think it really affected me that much i mean i i actually think that one of the things i'm learning from this podcast is that 
I think I have said the exact opposite in the pa- in the past, but maybe first time watches are not going to be the thing to make me cry because like <laughs> I genuinely think the closest I got was Ratatouille, a movie that right. I have seen so many times. Right. Um, and it's it's the times when I get emotional are the times when I can think about why a movie is making me feel a certain way. Um, and I didn't really I I didn't really have time to to do that not think about why but i understand i I, i'm having trouble even putting this into words i just think that i feel the the movies that have made me feel emotional in the past usually like i still get that feeling even when i think about it later um which is Mm -hmm. my experience with this movie i went back and listened to the soundtrack which that main theme of just like the like do, 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 mm-hmm. do, do. the music of these movies is so much of what I love about them and like I think I probably was closer to crying just listening to the soundtrack the next day and then I was watching the movie because I was just like thinking about the movie again that's really interesting yeah I, I think similarly the thing I've realized from doing the podcast for me is I don't know that quote-unquote sad movies are always what's going to get me yeah agreed um like like it, it, it's moments, you know. Like I've, I cried at Avengers Endgame. I've cried at Lion King. I've cried at et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It, it's movies that have big, happy, joyous moments and yeah. or big scenes or that sort of thing. And then there are really sad moments. Like a movie that like really made me cry a lot was A Star Is Born. Right. That is a movie that is ultimately sad. Yeah. But it is not sad the whole way through. You have really joyous, awesome moments. You have a romance that really builds and builds. Similar to Titanic, um, which is a movie I love and do cry at. You have great romantic scenes, fun scenes, that sort of thing. When movies are kind of sad from the jump, they don't work. Yeah. But but I guess like even the notebook is not necessarily sad from the jump, but it's built around being sad, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas like maybe I'm wrong about this, but, but like is Titanic built around being sad or is it built around, hey, look, we're going to watch these two people fall in love and there's action set pieces and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm interpreting my own reactions mm-hmm. wrong, but. Yeah, this movie, know. it's. The whole thing is is about, I mean, this isn't what the movie is about per se, but a big part of it is being desensitized to death. And so yes. it's not a movie where people spend a lot of time feeling sad about death. I think there's only one moment where the brother cries. Um, right. And it's like in the middle of the movie when uh, he he has been hiding his his mother's death from the younger sister and she is burying a bunch of fireflies and she says mom's in a grave too like these fireflies um, because mm. their aunt told her that and he didn't even know that she knew that and she just has had that information in her brain and that's the thing that like makes right. him cry um, right. but there's like he doesn't i don't think he cries when she dies does does he i don't think so i think he's focused on like yeah doing like doing the steps and things that he needs to. I don't we, think he takes a moment to... Right. We, and we don't even see the, mom, the moment when he realizes that she has died because it's voiceover, he just says, and she never woke up, and then it like cuts to the next scene. 
um, set. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he cries when he's burying her or uh, no. burning. Um, and so, yeah, which is something that I can relate to when I have lost loved ones. Like, I don't, I haven't cried in the moment, really. Um, but it mm-hmm. hits you at weird times, which is uh, kind of what yep. you see in that moment where he does start crying. Um, that's like the first time he cries about losing his mom is when he sees his sister processing that for the first time. Right, right, right. Yeah, definitely. Have you gotten closer to crying at other Studio Ghibli movies? Yes. Um, Totoro. No, I don't think Totoro made me cry or almost cry. <laughs> there's mm. a, there's like this thing that happens to me that I maybe is the equivalent of me crying where I feel like, oh, I right. could cry right now. <laughs> and maybe that yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah. what I learned for this podcast. <laughs> and so like that what I say like made me cry, I mean like <laughs> this is right. what I assumed everyone else meant when they used to talk about <laughs> how they cried. Um uh, maybe uh, Ponyo is is one that like, oh man. Ponyo is just such a joyous movie and I think that one brought me pretty close. I don't know exactly right. what the exact moment is, but like, sure, uh, kind of what you were talking about earlier with Endgame and The Lion King, like it's those joyous moments. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say Ponyo and Totoro would be the closest, and those are just both very w- soft, warm, fuzzy, happy movies. It's Kiki's delivery service for me. That mm. one <laughs> gets me. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Spirited Away, I think, gets me a bit, too, but Kiki's Delivery Service really emotionally effect- affected me the last time I watched it. Um, what part of that so I don't know. gets you, Kiki? <sighs> she she just is, like, really trying to do a good job. <laughs> yeah. And, like... It's kind of the Ratatouille find... thing. It's kind of the Ratatouille thing. She's just, like... She doesn't fully know what her purpose is, and she's not necessarily, like, feeling like she's good at something and Mm -hmm. she's it's about her kind of learning what her purpose in life is um which is delivering pies i think which is delivering pies yeah i can't really even (laughs) remember how that movie wraps up i mean it's similar to like why toy story 4 like yeah devastates me because that is about a guy who built his whole life about thinking his life had one purpose Mm -hmm. and then realizing that Maybe it's something else. And like yeah. that wrecks me. I, I find that such a like, as somebody who wants to know what the plan is always, mm-hmm. to know that like I could be going down a path and I'm going down it because I think I need to go down it. And then realizing like, hey, I don't actually want to do this though. I just have kind of made my life revolve around it. So yeah, moments like that really devastate me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not to take anything away from this movie. Cause I think this movie is great. And I do think it's sad. Like I think it's inarguably sad, but something about it being a capital letter, sad movie just doesn't make me cry for whatever yeah, reason. I don't, I don't think it's like engineered to make you cry, which is one of the reasons I think it's so good. Right. Do you think so? So that's a criticism levied against a lot of movies. Sometimes is like Pixar movies are like engineered to make mm-hmm. you cry. Do you do you kind of think that's true? Um, do I think that's true about what movies? Pix- Pixar movies. Oh, okay. Uh, some of them, yeah. I mean, I think we we have similar feelings about Up, which is where the beginning of that movie kind of is engineered to make you cry. Um, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think at times. Um, but I don't necessarily hold that against them because like sometimes that's what right. you want from a movie. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because you hear it like pejoratively a lot. And I think there's like sometimes Pixar movies are just emotional because they're just trying very like hard to be. Yeah. Very like human emotions. And, you know, it's not it's not necessarily like a hyper like cynical like uh, we'll make them cry and yada yada yeah. yada. I will but, say I on while we're talking about Pixar, I think one of the things I liked about Toy Story Four, since you already mentioned that, was I didn't yeah. feel like they really uh, were trying to engineer a cry moment from me as much as I kind of expected they might. Because I had an idea how I felt like that movie might end, and uh, I feel like right. Toy Story Three hits that ending a lot heavier than Toy Story Four does. Yes, Toy Story 3 makes me cry, but that whole ending scene, I'm kind of annoyed that it makes me cry because it's so obviously meant to do that. Yeah, yep. But yes, I think you're right. That that moment in Toy Story 4, it it does not feel like an engineered cry moment. It just is a natural cry moment for me because of where these characters have like ended up. Yeah, and it didn't Um, make me cry at all. (laughs) So Right. uh, Um. But but I also bring up Pixar because they are heavily inspired by Ghibli. That yeah. that is a thing uh, that they that they've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no. Um, so in summation, we're giant failures. <laughs> no, phonies. I feel like I've learned things. Uh, Maybe I'll yes. save that because we we still haven't talked about the cry points of Grave of the Fireflies yet. Have yes, we? let's talk about cry points and then we'll talk about where okay. we failed. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Where I failed, maybe. Um, so, what were the cry points you think in this movie? Okay, so um, as I told you earlier, I was trying very hard to be fully in this movie. So this this is all from my memory. Yes. I wasn't taking note of this while I was watching it, um, but I have six here written down. Um, and these are not necessarily all moments that were super effective on me, but there is one in particular that was surprisingly effective, and that's the main one I want to talk about. First one I have is the very beginning. Okay. Um, if you know where the movie is going, which the movie kind of tells you where it's going, like him dying and then like immediately seeing his sister after he dies, I could see that being effective. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, when he is uh, crying, as I mentioned earlier, when she reveals that um, she knows the mom is dead, um, that was that was a little bit effective on me. Just like seeing him cry for the first time because he's been so kind of cold for the whole, Close. not cold, but yeah. emotionless the whole movie. Um, yeah. And then uh, when she eats the, okay, okay. So the fruit drops, you've got the the can of fruit drops for the whole movie. When she's sad, mm-hmm. he will give her one sometimes, and it always cheers her up. There is a moment where he gives her the can, and she is uh, trying to get one out, and then she like starts crying because she thinks it's empty, and they're all gone. Uh, and then he, she gives it back to him, and he like starts shaking it, and he realizes that there's a couple of them stuck at the bottom of the can, uh, and he gets it out, and so there's like three little fruit drops stuck together. Um, and then another tiny little piece of like a shard of fruit drop is in his hand and he like holds it out to her 
And instead of taking the clump of three fruit drops stuck together, she takes the tiny little shard and eats it and then puts the other three back in the can. And then they just move on. That was the moment where I almost cried. (laughs) Uh, Just because of, like, I don't know. It was just such a... I think Ghibli is so good at those human moments where uh, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of that in Totoro too, which is why I compared them. But, like, the fact that they took the time to make that moment happen and just her, like seeing in that moment the like maturity that she has as a young girl to like realize oh, I'm just going to take this tiny little piece and I'm going to put the rest away and save it for later while they're literally starving to death like I don't know that was mm-hmm. effective for me yeah um, I have three more <laughs> okay and, and I'll go through these are quicker because they're uh, <laughs> uh, not as they weren't as effective uh, okay when he gets beaten up for stealing food um, and then he okay. comes out and realizes that she's been following him. Um, and then when right before she dies, I think she says, thank you. Is that the last thing she says to her brother? She says, thank you for the food that he's brought her. And then she dies. Obviously, her dying is a cry point. Uh, and then when he buries her at the end, uh, her little his little funeral uh, cremates her. Sorry, I keep saying buried. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think all of those are, are very much cry moments. I also had the mom dying just generally, Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the finding out about the mom. Um, I also had the fireflies dying because that was just a very, like, she, the, uh, the little sister was very like upset in that moment. Um, and it was symbolic, you know, um, the, main character dying what can i talk about the final moments where you see them look over the city i could see being very emotionally effective yeah um and then i call it the ghost montage but nobody's a ghost in it but when you kind of get that flashback of sorts of what she was up to oh yeah while he was gone each day for sure that was pretty rough yeah um after she died yeah you see her like playing and doing all that stuff and yeah i i found that a very sad effective moment Mm -hmm. um but that's all the cry points can Um, i ask you what did you think of the one that i told you was the most effective for me the fruit drop thing how did that hit you can you relate to that at all (laughs) When you describe it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good moment. I kind of forgot about the moment. Yeah. Um, but it is good. But but that's interesting that it hit you so much. Which um, I, I think that there's a lot to be learned from the fact that this movie about two kids dying of starvation. That was the moment that was the most effective for me. Is that? Yeah. I mean, we've already said it. Sad, heavy, oppressive sadness is not going to be the thing to make me cry. Right. I I fully think it was that montage that made me closest. Yeah. Because that was just like seeing, I don't know, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the joyous yeah, moments was, of someone being uh, alive. Very effective. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I think in movies where like someone dies, but then there's a flashback to an earlier scene or something like that. Those are, those are always, always uh, killers. Um, of course, now I can think yep. of no examples as I was trying to. <laughs> um, I'm sure it happens in Birds to Terabithia, but I c- can't remember that movie all that well. Um, I should rewatch that movie. That's our next episode. Just kidding. It's over. As 
Remember when they marketed that as Narnia? Yes. And like, there's like two scenes of the fantasy world and the rest yeah. is just a normal story. I didn't watch that movie, but I had read the book. And when I saw the trailers, I just thought, oh, I guess they're just going a different direction with this. They're just doing it as a Narnia movie. But no, I guess they didn't. No, you fully... Yeah, you see Terabithia, maybe it's more than twice, but you see it. But the main part of the movie is just like a normal kid's growing up story, and then she dies. Um, Bummer. Um, (laughs) I didn't know how to finish my thought. (laughs) That was probably the worst way. (laughs) It's a bummer. Okay, so we failed. Um, no. So, you know, we, you're right. Honestly, it is a bummer when kids die. <laughs> I, I can't stop is, thinking about it now. I've never thought about that before, but that really is a bummer. I think that's a big part a of bummer. why this movie is sad. Do you think so? It, because it's just because of the kids dying. Bummers. Yeah. Yeah. Two bummers. Yeah. Um, so Eli didn't cry. I didn't cry. We did not succeed in our mission of making Eli Smith cry, but we have decided to wrap things up rather than um, have a slow descent into misery like this movie. No, it, it would be a good time. But I, but we, we decided we're going to wrap it up. Um, and this be our last one uh, with a door always open for more. But at this point, if you guys see an episode drop, it will be a mystery. It will either yeah. be, I cried a ton mm-hmm. and think there's a chance that it will make Eli Smith Cry. I don't know. I'm looking at the notes and saw your full name right now. Um, if uh, if I think it will make him cry, then maybe we reconvene for an episode. Or it is because Eli has cried at something, right? Um, and we have to do a special episode on it. And Question: What I if think... what if it's not a movie? What if I'm like in a in my car listening to music and it makes me cry? Would we do an episode? That's what I was about to say. Because now the door is just open for us to return at any point. Yes. I think fully if a song makes you cry, that episode is about the song. Okay. Or um, if it's a TV show, I don't know that I will watch the full show, but we can still come on to talk about it, um, especially if it's Naruto, because um, I just don't have time we should do to watch it. Episode. <laughs> um, but, but if we come back... You, the listener, are going to, it'll be the mystery, whether or not it is one that I think worked or if it actually finally worked. But we're leaving the door open, but we're not guaranteeing any episodes anytime soon or maybe even ever. They won't uh, we'll let me do Naruto kind of be in our on purely nostalgia. So I think you should um, <laughs> let me do a Naruto episode on here. <laughs> Give me the time to catch up to all 900 Naruto episodes. You do one of the movies, but then. the movies are bad. That's the thing. The show's good. The movies are not good, but yeah, mostly. Um, so I guess like this is it. Thanks everybody who listened. Um, hold hold on. What did we learn here? This isn't a failure. We've learned <laughs> things, right? Yeah. We've learned things. We've learned that if you want to make us cry, don't make a movie that revolves around crying. Give us something else. Um, I cried at the musical we covered, so musicals really work on me. 
Um, I don't know if we've talked about it, but every time the trailer for In the Heights comes on, I get chills, like I'm mm-hmm. about to cry, but I don't. So, but, I mean, that one may be effective on me. Um, I have learned that when you focus a podcast around crying, then when you watch a movie for that podcast, you're thinking about that the whole time as much as you try not to. And so that may tarnish your crying abilities a tad. Um, I have learned that crying does, or lack of crying doesn't mean lack of emotional response to movies. Cause I think you've had lots of emotional responses to the movies we've covered. Yeah. Um, what have you learned? All the things you said and also that kids dying is a bummer. <laughs> I'm glad that you pointed that out. Um, Great. No, but I think it is just that I think this is evidenced by two things. One, the fact that the closest I came to crying was from Ratatouille. And two, the fact that the closest I came to crying in this movie was not a movie moment that had anything to do with death, really, was just a very human moment. I think that the best chance I have at ever crying in a movie is going to be at just fully relating to the feelings that a character feels in a moment, regardless of what those feelings are. Because I relate so hard to Ratatouille, or (laughs) his name's not Ratatouille. His name is his Remy, name is the Remy. Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams. Um, he, I relate to him wanting to be the greatest chef in Paris. I relate to Naruto wanting to be Hokage. I relate to this little girl. Uh, well, I don't really relate to it, but just yeah, the the how perfectly executed that moment was, where she chooses the tiny shard of candy over the three pieces of candy stuck together. Um, and like that's how I have reacted to Ponyo and Totoro and other movies mm-hmm. like that. So I think, I think maybe what I've learned is that there's you, you can't <laughs> predict this or and you can't make a podcast to make you cry. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't. You uh, just can't do it. It's not going to work. <laughs> well, and also, yeah, what you're saying is is very true. Like the just feeling what characters are feeling, right? I Mm. I don't know that deaths in movies necessarily always make me cry, right? Like sometimes they will, but more often it is because I am crying because of how another character is reacting to it. It is not the death itself. It's, it's a mate. It's, it's a fake. (laughs) It's fake. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, yeah, movies aren't real. I don't know. But 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 the reactions that the characters have, I I kind of relate to the emotions of those moments, you know, like I cry really hard at Paddington, too, when he sees a loved one he hasn't seen for a while. And she tells him how good of a boy he is (laughs) like, you know, that's yeah, that's kind of stuff that works. You know, Lilo and Stitch makes me cry because he feels like an outcast and then he starts to feel like he belongs. Um, I guess I cry when Mufasa dies, but again, it is Simba's reaction to it when he says, uh, dad, when he starts calling out for dad. Um, so I'm completely with you. I, I think, I think sometimes movies think that death is just the shortcut to a cry. And I think if you haven't, thought about how it makes the rest of your characters feel or really like deal with those. Mm -hmm. It's not a for sure cry, successful cry thing that you're going to accomplish. 
And maybe and also, that's like, not even. You don't the have goal. to kill people to cry. Yeah. Right. Like, it might not be. It might not be. But like, I think this movie definitely thinks about how death is affecting the characters. But those characters Absolutely. are not really processing their emotions outwardly very much in this movie and that's one reason it's not really a big cry movie Um, one other thing before i forget is the other thing that i learned is that every movie that has come close to making me cry uh, i think without exception now that i'm like thinking through the list um, i can also say that i love the soundtrack or the score of that movie so i think a lot of it is going to be tied to music for me Um, interesting ratatouille lord of the rings Naruto even, Grave of the Fireflies. I love that main theme. Um, I need you to watch the movie Nomadland, Eli. Okay. Because I noticed the really good score when I watched it today. And I think there's some things in that movie that can very emotionally affect you. And and because Um, my emotions are tied to the score, I think that's another reason why it might even be more effective the second time. If it's a score that I love, like I hear that music again that I already love. And then I'm just like, bam, like I can, I get those feelings again. That's what happened when I listened to the score of this movie the next day. So maybe I need to watch Nomadland twice. Maybe. I mean, that is what happened to me when I heard the slowed down Mortal Kombat theme, the Mortal Kombat trail. Yeah, me too. I had that, that emotional reaction. No, 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 no. You're right. Like, you, our our memories can kind of like tie themselves to musical beats quite a bit. Um, but um, yeah. So I think that's. <laughs> I don't know. How, I was about to say ta-ta for now. Like, <laughs> I like I didn't know how to. I don't know how to end this thing. I've never like. Actually, I have quit two podcasts, but we're not quitting this podcast. We just are like not going to do it until there's a good reason to rather than make ourselves. Uh, you keep framing it movies. as we're quitting. It's ending. This is I know, an ending. This quitting. is a this is a good ending. We did a good job. The minis- the miniseries is over and everyone's <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> the problem is we talked about it earlier, Eli, and I think that's why it's on my brain. Yeah. We are ending this like serial season one. <laughs> We're saying there's no resolution. Yeah, but we, we, we knew that that was going to be along the way. But 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 the conclusion you wanted has not happened. We don't know if Adnan did it or not. <laughs> we don't know if Eli has cried or not. Yeah, that's true. I do think that this podcast is as good as serial season one, though. I'm just going to uh, say that on the record. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So. You will see us again when we do our Bo Bergdahl <laughs> season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, no, this this was not a failure. This is a nice, good conclusion to a miniseries. It's it's messy like real life. It's it's true. Um, it's and, uh, nuanced. We'll, we'll come. It's nuanced. It's it's very nuanced. Um, and we will come back if uh, if our people need us again. Until then, we urge you to live and let cry.